place where you're present. And that's still mind-blowing. Uh, that you, the same Jesus who walked, who was born in a manger, walked this world, died on a cross, rose again, still actually meet with us. You said you'll be with us to the very end of the age, and that hasn't come yet. And so we gratefully sit here, uh, ask that you would speak to us, open our minds, our hearts, and help us to see what it is you want us to see as we continue this conversation with you. We love you, and we ask this in your name. Amen. If you've got a Bible, I'm just going to read John 15, and starting in verse 5. I think the last three years I've started off in the same exact text, and so I might just do it every year, so buckle up, because it'll be the same one. But as I think through, what is it that we want to be together as a church, right? We're not just defined by a gathering, though we gather. Um, traditionally, churches are often... Uh, what would measure success in most churches? A lot of times it's three. They call them the killer bees. There's three of them. Uh, budgets, butts, and buildings. So, so budgets, how much money is coming in. Uh, butts, how many people are in the seat. And then buildings, how big is your building? And for a lot of the last few decades, that's been the conversation that says, hey, how are we doing as a church? The problem is that none of those things actually deal with discipleship. Like, you can have a lot of money, but not love your neighbor. You can have a lot of people in the building, and none of them obeying. You can have a beautiful building that is inhospitable to the stranger who wanders in. All those things miss the mark with what actually it looks like to follow Jesus. And I think as I've been looking over the last year and saying, all right, like, how much of what we were doing, even as our church, was able to stand up as a global pandemic swept over us, right? How much of it was able to stand up to that? How much of our discipleship was able to stand? And what I loved seeing was that the marks of our church being faithful or not weren't marked around those things. Yes, people still gathered. Yes, we actually increased in numbers during COVID. Yes, we had a year where we were fiscally uh, ahead of where we were last year, which is incredible. Yes, we still get to meet in this building, which is amazing that we don't even pay the full mortgage, but we get all this space. Like, that is great. But that's not what marked us out as followers of Jesus. We started the year saying, what would it look like if we were people who were abiding, enduring, and then hopeful as we loved our city? And those are the three things I want to press us back in on as we look towards this year. But I'm going to read from John 15. And I'm going to stop wherever I stop because this passage is so good. Uh, I am the vine, Jesus is talking. You are the branches. If you remain in me, that remains, stay, live. Uh, it's a geographic term. Somebody would go for a journey, right? And then they would stay in a place. And so it meant that you weren't house hopping around. This is somewhere where you wanted to curl up and chill. Like that's where you wanted to be. You weren't going anywhere else. You were remaining in that space, not looking for what's next, but staying here. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. He's saying it's absolutely useless. If, if, if you're not bringing in fruit, like if you're not bearing fruit and you're on the vine branch, what happens is that branch gets clipped because it's good for fire, not for fruit. And so the invitation of Jesus is going to be, I don't really want that for you. I don't want you to be useless. I want you to be bearing fruit, and here's how you do it. If you remain in me and my words, 
remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Oh, this next part is so good. It's not what we're going to talk about. But as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Underguiding all this stuff is Jesus wants us to be a joy-filled people. And joy is not just having our heads in the sand saying like, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong. It's actually having our feet planted on a rock saying that because of Christ, it will be secure. Because of Christ, it will be good. Because of Christ, there is hope. And so it's not just hiding from the pain, but it's able to still be joyful even in the midst of it. But let's uh, just look at this real quick. Three things that I want us to be as we look. The first thing is an abiding presence. An abiding presence. Uh, you can't read this text in John and not see that he is inviting an intimacy with his followers. He's telling them, stay connected to me. Remain in me. Be present with me. Spend time with me. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. But if we're honest, there's often times where we fill in that blank with something else, don't we? Like, like we think it's going to take Jesus plus something else to actually be able to do what we were called to do. Uh, maybe it's a different job, a better job, a bigger house, a different spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, better grades, a different school, a different car, a promotion. Because if I get that, then I will be able to bear fruit. What's holding me back from bearing the fruit that Jesus has invited me to bear is the fact that I have these kids, or I live in this zip code, or I drive this car. And if that thing was just fixed, then I'd be good to go. Like, then I could live the life that I was really meant to live. And Jesus is looking out at these probably late teenage boys who are looking out over their life, and saying, if you remain in me, that will lead to a flourishing kingdom life. But the flip side of that's true, because he also says, if you don't, and I don't think this is just pure conjecture, he's just throwing, and if you don't, this will happen, but don't worry about that, it doesn't happen to anybody. Because I think there's many of people who drift from Jesus and live lives that are empty, meaningless, not bearing kingdom fruit. And so as we look out at a new year and say, hey, what is it that I want to be about? Not just what do I want to do, but who do I want to be? The first thing, an abiding presence. If we gave this year again to abiding in Jesus, learning to walk in the ways of Jesus, to love the things that Jesus loved, to love the people Jesus loved, because his love was rooting itself in our hearts, I'm pretty sure that's storm-proof, that's COVID-proof. And we can't say that about many things. But our relationship with Jesus, he doesn't change just because there's a disease in the world. He's still faithful. He's still personal. And he'll still bear fruit through us if we remain in him. So that's the first one, abiding. Abiding presence of the Jesus. Uh, the second thing I want to do, I'm going to switch this up. And I'm going to use this word resilient. There's an I in there. A resilient presence. Uh, as I was reading through this text, I, I realized that the next part that Jesus is going to tell his disciples is that they're to continue on to love one another. 
And then to say, greater love has no man than this, and he lays down his life for his friends. And so when you look out across community, when you look out across your friends, when you look at your missional community, your DNA group, uh, what if this year was marked by us being resilient in our love for one another? Uh, Resilient's a little bit different word than we often use, um, but what the idea behind it is, is that it's springy. That's literally what the word means. It's springy. It means that you can push pressure down on, but it comes back to what it was. It doesn't break because pressure comes at it, but it's able to withstand it and not be forever shaped because of it. It it comes back even when under pressure. And as I'm thinking through what that looks like for us as a church, I say, man, what would that look like for us to be a community who is resilient? It means that we don't say, hey, uh, missional community is just super easy. You should just be a part of one. It's always easy. It's always calm. There's no conflict. You can just do it and just cruise on through. We're not saying that. Like, no, relationships are hard. Jesus has not returned to make all things new. He's not returned to make you all the way new yet. So you bring your mess, other people bring their mess, and then we come into a situation where it's optional in a lot of ways, and you're like, man, I don't want to mess with this. This is messy. But Scripture seems to say if we stay committed in those relationships, centered in on Jesus, he changes us, and through changed people, he changes the world. And so there's something beautiful he wants to do. And what can this look like for us as a community? Man, what if we continue to lay down our lives for others, like sacrificing our preferences so that others can flourish? What if your MC leaders didn't have to hear you complaining just because you're on Zoom again or because you weren't, because you're meeting outside in a park and it's a little bit cold? We say, man, like, I want to be together with these people and this matters. Like, what does it look like when we continually see our finances, not just for ourselves, but for our community? The kind of community that something can press in on, but still bounce back because the gospel's still true and we're able to withstand the pressure. So an abiding presence, a resilient presence. And then I'm just going to write a hopeful presence. But I wanted to write obnoxiously hopeful presence. That was just going to be way too much. And here's what I mean by that. What if Missio was known as the kind of people who heard these words of Jesus and actually believed them to be true? Like, like, like really believed them to be true. Like, like inward, like that part of us that we make our real decisions based on, not just the, the religious section of our life. But said, hey, I, I believe that Jesus is at work in this world, and he will do what he said he would do. I believe that it's for my joy that I follow the commands of Jesus. And so that's what I'm going to walk in and not rationalize but repent of my sin where I go wrong. Like, I believe the words of Jesus, that his commands are actually the best possible way to live. And so I'm going to arrange my life according to his kingdom agenda. Like, what if we said that and lived that way? The only reason and the only way that we do that is if we are actually hopeful that Jesus has done all that he said he would do, yes, but he will do all that he says he will do. Like if we actually believe he's working in you, he has the power to change you. He has the power to change us. He has the power to change our community. He has the power to heal fractured relationships. That doesn't make it go fast, but faith says, I believe it's going to happen, and so I'm going to live like it's true. And I write obnoxiously hopeful because the, the, the world or just culture or even our own tendencies in our own lives want to kick that wind out of us so 
fast. To point out all the ways that the world is not yet what it's supposed to be. But as I read my Bible and I look back over the generations of God's people, they always waited for promises to come true. But the faithful ones always held out hope that it would because they believed God. And again, what if this year was a year that we believed God and took him at his word? And Missio Mesa was known for people who are almost obnoxiously hopeful because they believe Jesus will actually do what he said he would do. An abiding presence, a resilient presence, a hopeful presence. I would encourage you to take this chunk of John and spend some more time in it. There's lots of good stuff that Jesus is saying here, but that's just a small piece of it. So as Jesus was talking to them, and he, he gives them the instruction, right? He says, here's, here's what I want it to look like. Remain in me. This is the night before he was crucified, right? This is that, in that he just washed the disciples' feet. He's shown them what a servant king looks like. He's told them that this is the kind of lives I want you to live towards each other. And then they went to the garden, and they're having this conversation. And as he does it with them, he, he wants them to know that this is what it looks like for the upcoming years of their life. And so before you say like, man, well, that would be really easy for them because they're just with Jesus and they're about to, man, the world was very hostile towards those first disciples, wasn't it? Like literally 11 of the 12, well, 10 of the 12 were murdered for what they believed. It wasn't like, hey, this is the path to the easiest life now, but it was truly a flourishing life now. And so when I, I think when we say like, what happens then if we are abiding in our love in Jesus, right? If we're abiding in Jesus, if we're resilient in that love towards each other, and then we're obnoxiously hopeful as we look towards God's future. Like, what happens with that? Uh, Jesus has given us one of those things. He said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. Literally, Jesus' joy in them and that your joy may be complete. That's pretty cool. He also tells them that if you're able, when you remain in me, lo looking back, if you look down at your Bible again, he says that God will be glorified which is also a really big deal, right? That's the, the chief end of man, as the Westminster Catechism says, to enjoy God and glorify him forever. That's kind of a big deal. God's name is praised. He is seen as faithful and holy above all. And then you're also proven or shown to be my disciples. And so as I look out over the next year, I'm like, man, what if Missio Mesa, like we were able to abide in these things, that we were resilient in our love towards each other, that we stretched and were able to stretch but not break because of the love that Jesus was pouring on us, we're able to pour onto each other. How incredible will that would be if we we're able to be filled with hope, literally uh, making decisions in the presence because we're so secure in God's future. Like what if we were able to do that, man? And then out of that, our joy was filled up, not just because we got more stuff, but we experienced more of Jesus. That'd be pretty incredible. And then if God was glorified, man, if just looking back, they say our joy is filled up because of Jesus' joy is in us. God is glorified, and 2022, the calendar switches. And people might not say like, hey, that church is amazing, or it is blowing up, or their budget's ridiculous, or they've got brand new facilities, that's amazing. But if they would just say, these people follow Jesus, I don't know what else to tell you. They literally follow Jesus. I think I'd be good with that. Like if that was the overflow, God is glorified and it's proven that we actually do follow Jesus, not just some psychobabble about religion, but actually follow Jesus, I'd be really good with that. Would you? 
is that what we want to press our lives in and really to orient our budgets, our calendars, our friendships, our zip codes around? I want us to spend a few minutes, just take a few minutes. I'm, I'm going to go back through those abiding, resilient, and then also hopeful. And to say that if we don't intentionally integrate practices in our lives that go with those things, they will just go by the wayside. And so uh, does somebody know how to work the lights? I could just flip the lights on so you guys can actually see what you're writing on. Does anybody know how to do that? He's got it. Thanks, Gens. If she can't get it, you can help. Sound good? Just start flicking. You'll be good. There we go. What I want us to do is say, like, all right, if this is what we wanted to be, if this is who we wanted to be, if this is what we're aiming towards, even if it's just hypothetical at this point, uh, what would be some of the practices that we would need to integrate into our lives? And it can be continuing to integrate. This doesn't have to be all new, all fresh, all brand new stuff. Like this can be, here's what I'm doing to foster this because this is the life I've been living. But I would love for you, uh, for us to come up and say like, what would it look like if our lives are literally being shaped by these things? So what are practices that lead us to abiding in Jesus? What are practices that lead us to us having a strong community, not a thin community? one that's resilient, that doesn't just fracture when pressure comes in, or that foster and encourage and nourish hope. And so I'm going to give us a good amount of time, just a few minutes here, to turn towards each other and just ask, what are some of the practices that either you have in place, or you're like, man, if we did this, we would probably be people who were abiding at a deeper level. We would be people that were stronger as a community. We'd be people who were more hope-filled if we are able to do these things. And let some of the creativity stir among your little community. So uh, spin towards each other. I'll give you a few minutes to do this. But what would be some of the actual practices of life that would go with those desires or those drives or that direction?